Hey y'all, I'm Melanie. And I'm Jason. And you're listening to the Old North State Podcast. We're bringing you on a deep dive into all things North Carolina. Hello. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. How are you doing today? Oh, you know. Happy it's Friday. Absolutely. TGIF. TGIF. And it's a long weekend. And it's a long weekend. God bless. Bless it. All right. So I have, before we get into the the meat of things, I have a a bit of a fun fact for you. Hit me. And where are you from? Durham. Okay. So in Durham, are you familiar with the Duke University Satellite Park? Sounds familiar. Cool. So there's this park in Durham that is just filled with these satellites and they've like put murals on them now. Um, if anyone's familiar, the satellite dishes in Duke University's Satellite Park were used by its telecom department in the 90s. However, the internet soon rendered them useless <laughs> after spending all that money, and they sat unused for nearly 20 years. So, after a while, a bunch of artists said, hey, give us those free canvases, let's make a little sideshow attraction out of it, and that is how Duke University's Satellite Park's murals uh, came to be. So cool. we'll have to we'll have to hang or check that out next time we're there. I found it on Strange Carolinas. I'm showing you a oh, picture. That's nice. Isn't that pretty groovy? Yeah. Yeah. So creative or adaptive reuse, I think the kids are calling it these days. Ah, uh, the kids. The kids. The youths. So I taught you something about your hometown. Um, what are we talking about today? Today we are going to be talking about the disappearance of Dennis Martin. And before anybody comes at me, uh, this happened in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, and it happened on the border of North Carolina and Tennessee. So a lot of it did happen in Tennessee, but it was on the border in North Carolina. Some of the searches were in North Carolina, so. Yeah, so we're, we're gonna... still on brand. Yes. For those just droves of people who are DMing us and sending us emails, <laughs> you, uh, your voice has been heard, but in this case, it will be ignored. Yes. So, Dennis Martin was a six-year-old boy from Knoxville, Tennessee. He was described as being a quiet, energetic boy, and his mental mental age was about half a year behind his actual age. That's pretty harsh for a six-year-old. Hey, that's that's what the articles and the report said. I I believe you. I hundred like I don't think you would say that. Um, But like he's six. Come on. I know. Sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. So on Father's Day weekend in June of 1969, Dennis, his older brother Doug, who was nine years old, his father William, and his grandfather Clyde went on their annual camping trip to the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. This was Dennis's first time going on the trip. So a little bit about the park. It was chartered by Congress in 1934 and dedicated by President FDR in 1940, and the Great Smoky Mountains is located in eastern Tennessee and western North Carolina in Swain and Haywood counties. The park encompasses more than 500,000, 500, how do I say that word? Uh, 520,000 acres, which makes it one of the largest protected areas in the United States. And in 2019, 
The park was considered the most visited national park in the United States with over 12.5 million visitors. That's awesome. Yeah. Now that we have our national parks pass, we are definitely going to have to pay the trip. Yeah. Take that Yellowstone. I mean, there's room for everyone. I'm just kidding. I love Yellowstone. <laughs> it was beautiful. It It is very beautiful. So on the first day, uh, this would have been June 13th, the Martins hiked from Cades Cove to Russell Field and camped overnight. The next day, on June 14th, they hiked to Spence Field. And the hike from Russell Field to Spence Field is about two and a half to three miles. So Spence Field is a highland meadow that lies along the Tennessee and North Carolina border. The Appalachian Trail crosses the field, and there's a shelter close by that provides hikers with overnight stopping and uh, camping places. So it has an elevation of 4,920 feet, and it is known for its high winds. Nice. Good job. Thank you. So sometimes you can blow a whistle up there, and the wind is so loud that it will drown the whistle out. So from Spence Field, it is downhill in almost every direction, and the trails are thick with rhododendron, which are very beautiful flowers. It's also a very lightly trafficked area from what I read. So probably at this point there might have been lot of people there but maybe maybe not definitely painting the picture for uh, something to go wrong yes so uh that evening this is still june 14th the martins had met and kind of hung out with another family it was a man and his two sons and ironically their last name was also martin and i read one report that said that they were from alabama and a, another report that that said that they were from louisiana so somewhere down there so the young boys all decided to play a prank on their adults by hiding in the bushes and then jumping out to surprise them. The adults, however, were very well aware that this attack was going to go down. So it was about 4.30 in the afternoon, and Doug and the other Martins went one way into the woods, and then Dennis went another way um, off into the brush by himself. And that was the last time that anyone ever saw him. So he was wearing a red shirt with green khaki shorts and Oxford-type shoes. After the boys jumped out to scare the adults, a few minutes went by, and William, who was the father, realized that he hadn't seen Dennis return to camp. So he started to worry, and then he ran nearly two miles back down the trail, thinking, you know, maybe Dennis got turned around and went the wrong way. But he, he pretty much ran until he was certain Dennis couldn't have gone any farther. So after a few hours of searching, Clyde hiked all the way back to the ranger station at Cades Cove. And by this point, it was about 8.30, 9 o'clock, and a thunderstorm had rolled in. Temperatures had also dropped well into the 50s. And due to the rain, they were unable to start an actual, you know, ranger search for Dennis until 5 o'clock the next morning on June 15th. So the rain really dampened. The first day search. Was that a pun? Yes. Somebody died, Melanie. I'm just giving you a hard time. I wanted to use, okay, every report said hampered, and I didn't want to use that word. I'm just giving okay? you a hard time. <laughs> Trying to lighten the mood. So, not only was it still raining by this point, but it was also very foggy, and all of the streams... And the creeks nearby, the water was very high, so they were all raging and rushing uh, because so much rain had fallen. It's like two and a half inches. 
And conditions really could not have been worse to try and hear a child calling out for help or vice versa, someone calling out to try and find him. And yeah, Dennis or see, like, footprints or anything, too. We'll get there. Okay. So Dennis's father said that Dennis was a little shy and would not have called out, but if people had, you know, been calling out for him, he would have responded. So the chief ranger set up a plan to try and find this little boy. He wanted a group of 30 men with five leaders and then also teams of two to four men with t 10 leaders, as well as a base camp at Spence Field and then a helicopter if possible. So this is uh, where a lot of the Tennessee people come in. Not a lot of North Carolina people came in, but a lot of Tennessee people did. So the Sevier County and Blount County Tennessee rescue squads were called in along with the Smoky Mountain Hiking Club. So on June 16th, the Tennessee National Guard sent 17 men from the McGee Tyson Air Base in Knoxville, and they established a heliport at Cades Cove. By this point, the media had gotten wind of the search, so people started flooding the rangers to see what they could do to help in any way, like bringing food, bringing their, their bloodhounds to try and find a scent, etc. So two dogs were brought in to find a scent, but because of the rain, anything that they might have been able to pick up was washed away by that point. So the total amount of people who came searching for Dennis on this second day was 300. On June 17th, the search area was extended. The Coast Guard came in. They volunteered boats and men to search Fontana Lake, which, uh, based on the trail map that I looked at, is probably like 13 miles from Spencefield, 13-ish. So... The Coast Guard patrolled the north shoreline of the lake, which is 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 huge. I don't know if you have you ever seen Fontana Lake on a map? No. It's just like a giant, like it just looks like a really thick river. It's very Girthy. long. No, it's not I wouldn't say it's, <laughs> it's it's very long and just like short. Long and <laughs> short. So it's, I mean, hmm. it's like a, a really long lake. A really long Jesus lake. Man. And um, for those at home, <laughs> her hands are spread this wide. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. So William thought that the most likely place for Dennis to be was Anthony Creek or Eagle Creek. Their little drainage areas that they have. And Eagle Creek also leads into Fontana Lake. And so this morning was also very foggy, and it was so foggy that helicopters were unable to fly until around 11 in the morning. And then they brought in an aircraft, like one of those, like, like a little flight plane thing, you know, a little, like, two-seater or something that we rode over the Grand Canyon on. Nice. They uh, brought one of those in so that William could call out on a loudspeaker for Dennis. However, when it landed, the landing gear hit a rock, Ugh. and they were unable to fly it after that. Just a so, series of, like, unfortunate yes. events. Like, everything's going wrong. Yes. So the total amount of forces that day searching for Dennis were 365. So a group of Green Berets had been doing some exercise training in the Smokies, and they heard about the search. So they were really used to navigating dense and wet terrain after they had fought in Vietnam. So they sent over a group of 60 men to help join the search. 
and a lot of other people joined the search too, including some Boy Scouts who had been camping nearby, local hunters, on and off duty firefighters and police officers, and they had 57 rescue squads from four different states come in. That's a lot of people. Yeah, popular kid. Yeah, he's a little cutie too. So on June 19th, a woman from Michigan called in claiming that she had had a psychic dream and that Dennis would be found four miles southeast of where he was last seen. She said he would be found in a stream by a waterfall and that white pines were in the area. So the Green Berets went to look for this area and they found, you know, something similar to what she was talking about, but they could not find any evidence of Dennis. Can we take a pause and I tell you a personal story? Sure. So for, I mean, if y'all are listening to this, you probably know by now that we also run the Spooky CLT Instagram account talking about Charlotte, you know, ghost stories and local lore. Uh, Just the other day I was talking like this. I saw this news segment about how um, this local psychic medium, his business was booming over the past year because of like everyone being so unsure about their future with coronavirus. So... I like started following him on Instagram. He immediately started following me back, sent me a message, and we were talking. And he gets called a lot for when people um, commit suicide in Lake Norman. So he gets called. Oh yeah, so he gets called out to see if he can like feel anything to figure out where they should send search parties. And he said it happens like all the time. I didn't know that that was like a like a place people would go to do that i you know i didn't either um but he told me and granted you know i've been lied to on the internet before um but even if he's exaggerating Mm -hmm. it's still happening remember when we were with our friend and he was with that tinder date and we were all at lake norman and she told us about how like her uncle told her story about at lucky dogs so it started at lucky dogs and then we went to we went back to our friend's lake house and we were all floating mm. you had to borrow oh, the yeah. bathing, bathing suit from his mom oh yeah <laughs> yeah um and she told us that um same type of thing that like her uncle told her a story about how like uh, someone went missing in lake norman they had to find a site or they called a psychic the psychic was able to find the person here wow. i was thinking that this was like a one-off thing made a post about it and everything and apparently it happens like yeah pretty frequently so i So I got this story from a podcast called National Parks After Dark. Um, Those ladies are really great at what they do, so go listen to them. Yeah, we were listening Um, to them a bunch when we we were doing our National Parks trip out west. Yeah. um, Slash honeymoon. And they they mentioned that, like, a lot of psychics were involved in this, but um, I could only find this one particular story about uh, this woman from Michigan, but that that was like a thing. Yeah. Psychics, like a bunch of psychics were calling in, apparently. Um, but this is this was the one that they talked about in the National Parks report that they have that you can find on the internet if you just Google it. So, moving on. At this point, uh, the searchers started examining um, animal poop from, like, bears and boars. They also started looking at, like, the pit toilets, which is basically just a, a glorified out, um, outhouse. Oh, we're familiar with those now. Please don't stop on the side of the road in Utah unless you really have to go. Right. (laughs) 
So don't look down into the yeah, abyss. Do not look down. <laughs> um, and they also started looking at fire towers, but they did not find anything. So with the growing possibility of Dennis's demise, searchers started watching for circling buzzards and vultures to try to maybe pinpoint decaying remains. However, no human remains were found. They found remains of, um, like, foxes and stuff, but no human remains. The usual circle of life. Yeah. They did find a set of footprints. It was one shoe and one bare foot. It was determined that this shoe was an Oxford-type shoe that Dennis was wearing. However, they dismissed the footprints. They uh, think that it was one of the Boy Scouts. But why would that Boy Scout be searching barefoot and have one shoe on? What even is an Oxford shoe? I have to Google this real quick. I If it's the type that I'm thinking of, why was he wearing that like to go I hiking? I don't think tennis shoes were like a thing back then. This is like dress shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those are... Yeah, I was thinking like the brown shoes that you have. Yeah, exactly. So, like, why... I mean, granted, he was six, and yeah. it's not like he's going... I don't I don't know if they had... Um, if anybody's listening who was alive in 1969, please tell us. Did they have tennis shoes back then? Thank you. They <laughs> did. Uh, the searchers did later find a shoe and a sock. Um, don't know who it belonged to... Don't know if it was the Boy Scout. I mean, the footprints are a little suspicious. I, I don't know why a Boy Scout would be searching with one bare foot and one shoed foot. But, anyway. On June 21st, the peak amount of people involved in the search reached 1,400. Wow. 1,400 people on this mountain searching for this little boy. So this included all of the searchers as well as people coming into um, deliver supplies, food, first aid. A few people, um, got injured while they were searching for him. Nothing too serious, you know, just like, you know, sprains and stuff. And they were like literally hauling people up the mountain on flatbed trucks. That's how many people were coming in to try to find him. And, um, that amount of people, obviously obliterated any type of clue that could have been found, any type of footprints that he may have left. Um, so it's that and the rain. So, I mean, it's just anything, any type of clue they were just struggling to find. So by June 22nd, 56 square miles of the park had been covered. And on June 24th, a little boy wearing a red shirt and off-green shorts was seen walking the perimeter road by the Cades Cove camp campground. When rangers went down to investigate, they learned that it was just another little boy. This little boy was from Kansas and he was just camping with his family. The rangers asked his parents to change the boy's shirt because they had no idea what was going on. And on this day, the National Park Service proposed putting the search on a maintenance basis after Saturday, June 29th. And two days later, on June 26th, someone reported a decaying odor near the park line at the Tremont traffic counter. However, this turned out to be a dead dog. Well, RIP. Yeah. Okay. So, the search came to an end on June 29th. At 5 p.m., a meeting was held to discuss where to go from there. At the meeting, they discussed the absence of evidence to support a kidnapping, which was what the Martins believed happened. 
The FBI couldn't launch a full-scale investigation since there was no evidence, but they did keep the theory on their radar. The FBI also told the family that it was up to them if they wanted to put up a reward, which they did. They put up $5,000 for any information at all. The chief park ranger assured the Martins that the search would continue, but the operation was closed down after 6 p.m. On September 10, 1969, a, re a release came out saying that the search would be closed, according to the park superintendent. On September 13th, the search was officially closed. The search uh, is still the largest search and rescue operation in the history of the park. Searchers logged about 13,420 man hours and, nice. Nice, and <laughs> 200 helicopter hours. The estimate cost was between $50,000 and $65,000. That's, I guess like it's important to keep track of that stuff, but when you're putting a value of someone's life, it's always weird, I think. Yeah, they had um, in the report, they had um, like a breakdown of every single type of like expense that they had. I guess, I guess they have to. Yeah. Since it's, I mean, since it's tax dollars. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm okay with my tax dollars going to search. Important stuff. Yeah, important stuff like this. In July 1970, a woman called saying that she had seen the Martin child three weeks before in Knoxville, and she was absolutely positive it was him. She said that she was with him in a car with she saw she, him. She Sorry. saw him in a car with an older man who was bald, and the child had his head stuck out the window. Nothing ever came of this that we could find. In 1985, a man came forward saying that a few years prior he had. Found skeletal remains of a child in uh, Tremont's Big Hollow. The bones included a skull and had been scattered by animals. He said that he was scared to come forward because he was illegally hunting ginseng in the park and did not want to be arrested. By the time the searchers got to the area, um, they were unable to find any of the bones. The area was not far downhill from where Dennis was last seen and in the same direction as the shoe print. Which, I mean, to me... Yeah, is... I am... Um, and also, I... Number one, I didn't realize that ginseng grew in North Carolina. Isn't that cool? And number two, I didn't realize that, like, that was, like, a thing. Yeah, my, uh... The Arizona iced teas that I love so much, they have ginseng in them. Yeah. But, like, it's... Once you grow it, <clears throat> if you, like, take anything from it, you pretty much kill the tree. So, like, when all these people are picking them, they're, like, killing the tree, and that's how it doesn't yeah. grow back after that. Yeah. So that's why it's illegal. Well, I'm, I'm, I mean, I knew it was illegal to do stuff like that in national parks, but I just didn't realize that, like, that was a thing people did. Just... Yeah, people are weird. Yeah. In the 1990s, a man was searching for his birth parents and came to believe that he may be Dennis Martin. Officials were able to put his suspicion to rest, but never figure out why he thought he may have been Dennis. Um, in college, I had to watch this documentary about uh, a boy who went missing abroad. And um, a few years later, this French guy was claiming to be the kid that went missing. And because the parents were so like desperate to find their boy, they completely ignored the fact that like it clearly was not their son and the guy was just trying to take advantage of them and become an american that was an svu episode but um, i'm sure they got it from yeah it it was uh, a, a woman uh pretending to be this lost 
teenager. Yeah. SVU always takes stories from the they, real world. They absolutely do. And so. then they say, none of this is based on true facts. <laughs> and we're like, sure, Jan. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> All right. So there are a few theories as to what happened to little Dennis Martin. The first is that he became lost and succumbed to exposure. This is the most probable explanation, according to the park officials. On the first day, 2.5 inches of rain had fallen. It had rained again on June 17th, and then again the second week, week of the search. And since he was six with the mind of a four-and-a-half-year-old, according to these people. Five, it would have been five-and-a-half. It was only half a year behind, which oh. still... And, but still, a six-year-old who's wearing a t-shirt and shorts... And dress, and dress pants. Or and dress shoes... shoes. And, you know, two and a half, three, four or five inches of rain in the 50s with high winds around you. I... Didn't stand a chance. Yeah. Another theory was that he was attacked by an animal and dragged off. Predators in the area include bears, feral hogs, snakes, and bobcats. It was apparently a very dry summer and the animals were seeking food in places they normally did not. Two weeks prior to the disappearance, rangers released a bony bear that had been caught in a boar trap that had been baited with corn, which is something that bears don't normally eat. I mean, that makes sense. If he was, like, hiding, mm -hmm. and you always hear stories about, you know, big cats who are pretty much, like, a few steps behind hikers. Yeah. Anyway, so they left this... And if, and if he, like, somehow found some type of cave or something that was already inhabited yeah. by an animal... Yeah. Um, the family's theory was that Dennis was abducted. The afternoon Dennis went missing, a tourist named Harold Key heard a loud, sickening scream and then saw an unkept man coming out of the woods from the direction the scream had come from. Key had said that his son thought that the man was a bear and then realized it was a man. That's how unkempt and like imposing he was. Mm -hmm. He said that the man was obviously trying to avoid them and got into a white car. Key thought that the man could have been a moonshiner. Park officials were unable to make any links between the sighting and the disappearance because they were at two different places at two different times. The Martins think a man named Richard French could have possibly taken Dennis. He was a contractor from the Dandridge, Tennessee. Um, yeah, I am. Um, so I, I read that, um, but it, it, it was literally just, oh, they think it was this man from this town. And then that was it. So I don't. I have no idea why they might have thought that. Um, I, I could not find anything. But anyway. They're still dragging his name. Yeah. Um, there's another abduction theory that since the other family there was there that day, also named Martin, that someone could have targeted the wrong family by mistake. Um, which is weird. Yeah. So one thing I want to point out is that if this man that... Harold Key saw was in fact a moonshiner. I'm thinking that that scream might not necessarily have been a person. It if was steam. Steam. Um, that would make a lot of sense to me based on what I know about moonshine and how it's made. So, like in my head, have you ever, I mean, like you've been to those gas stations just in the middle of you know, nowhere, North Carolina, and you see mm -hmm. these old, unkempt men, I've heard them make some pretty weird screeches. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Just, like, those weird noises. Mm -hmm. 
Maybe not- <laughs> he maybe he was the one who maybe screamed. Maybe it was just him, yeah. Maybe he was the one who screamed. Maybe he saw like an animal and was like, "Yeah, go on, get." Yeah, who knows? Who knows? I don't know. Um, and finally, TikTok's favorite theory for all those Gen Zs out there. Um, this is actually how we kind of came across the story, um, along with the podcast. But it's mm-hmm. feral humans. Uh, conspiracy theorists believe that there are cannibalistic feral humans living in the Smokies and that they're the ones who took Dennis. These feral humans allegedly live in the mountains and snatch children at night. Some people think that the Green Berets were brought in to exterminate the feral humans. However, no one reported them having any weapons. Yeah, so, uh, number one, I have noticed that a lot of people don't know how to spell the word feral. F-E-R-A-L. Uh, TikTok, so... Go uh, edit your TikToks, please. And um, I did, so I tried to find the original TikTok that was like, this absolutely happened. Look up the case of Dennis Martin. Like, it was cannibalistic feral people. I I tried so hard to find that TikTok. I could not find it. But I did find one today. It's on my For You page. And, um, it was this woman, she lives in Western North Carolina somewhere, and she said, you know, feral people absolutely exist in the Smokies in Western North Carolina, but she has never, ever heard one story about them being cannibals. She said that she worked in a hospital, and sometimes they would come in, um, and they would just be like, did you ever watch the Benders episode of Supernatural? Um, was it the cannibals episode? Yes. Where they thought it was something, but it just turns out it was cannibals. Yeah. Yeah. Season one. Yeah. Watched it was on. Was that season one? Oh yeah. yeah. Cause I remember seeing that on one of my Netflix DVDs yeah. back in the day when I received <laughs> yeah. it by mail. So. <laughs> you're aging Look at yourself. me. <laughs> Look at me getting that supernatural that's, that's reference gonna, that you that's, made. That's how you're going to age yourself in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> back in my day. Yeah. So. I have never, ever once heard of feral humans living in Western North Carolina until I heard this story. But the National Parks After Dark Girl made a very good point that um, the Martin family is still very upset about this. And so to have these people on TikTok equating, you know, their missing family member to cannibalistic feral people is really sad um so just if you're one of those people who likes to do stuff like that just think about the family yeah i mean i always have to think about like i mean even us talking about more Mm -hmm. of the supernatural things that we talk about you gotta have to take a moment and realize you're talking about real life people and real life situations and yes you know pawning it off on cannibals to make it an interesting tiktok you have to think about what real life consequences yeah effect mm-hmm. you know i agree yeah um i think that theory is um this the, i think this particular theory is just a load of malarkey yeah and the people who started this rumor theory need to stop in yeah. my opinion anyway so The failure to find Dennis and the mistakes made along the way led to major changes in the search and rescue operations in the Smoky Mountains and throughout the National Park Service. 
the cases taught today as an example of how to search and rescue can be, can be improved. They learned that the flooding that flooding the area with large amounts of people is not necessarily the best way to go because it can lead to losing valuable clues and good tracking signs. Um, they've realized that it's better to have a smaller group of well-trained trackers and searchers rather than hordes of people. You can secure the site without damaging evidence of clues easier. Another thing is that instead of looking for the person, you look for clues. There can be one person missing, but there could be dozens of clues like footprints leading you to that person. And honestly, you know, watch one episode of Scooby-Doo and I feel like you could learn that. You know, they're always saying, like, let's split up and look for clues. That's not, true. Let's split up and look for, you know, the real estate person who's trying to drive up the prices of homes in the area. Yeah. So there was a case um, a couple years ago. There was this little this little boy who went missing in a park in Gaston County. And I feel like the same thing happened. People just, like... Well-intentioned people just got very, in the way. Very well-intentioned people just got in the way, came to this park, and started searching for him. And they didn't find him until, like, two or three weeks later. Yeah. Um, Especially with the, the thing that I said earlier about how they found those bones um, not far from where he went missing. It's mm -hmm. like if the people who are searching for clues stayed in that area, as opposed to, like, all these people just walking around the paths, they might have yeah. found, you know that sooner but it's you know 50 years ago coulda mm -hmm. shoulda woulda yeah um retired park ranger dwight mc mccarter says dennis's family continued the search for him in the park in the years following and said two years three years later old man clyde was out there searching for that boy only five missing persons cases in the parks remain unsolved in this particular park in the great old smokies yeah what do you think happened? I think that he, um, you know, he may have thought that he was still playing the prank, mm -hmm. hit a little bit further from the path than he thought, or maybe just got distracted. Yeah. Um, my parents always told me stories about how one of my older brothers would always just walk off, mm -hmm. um, causing them heart attacks, not being able to find him. So if he was that type of kid with, you know, mm -hmm. and they made a point to say this six-year-old wasn't even smart enough to be a six-year-old yeah then it could have been that um and if all those animals were hungry from a dry season they might have just you know yeah found them I, first i i um i believe that those remains that that man found were him it's unfortunate that they couldn't um that when they went back they couldn't find them yeah um because you know the everyone needs closure yeah every especially even even 50 years later, they all they still need closure. So maybe, hopefully one day. Hopefully one day. Yeah. A cold case. Maybe put bones on the case. Well, she's got to have her bones first. Oh, damn, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know? Um, so speaking of bones, so um, this is like a true story, I think. Uh, she, Bones. So Kathy, Kathy Reichs. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anybody doesn't know who Kathy Rikes is, Kathy Rikes is the creator, the writer of the show Bones. They are based off of her, her books um, about Temperance Brennan. She was a professor at UNC Charlotte. Technically, she, she still is. She still is. Yeah. But she hasn't taught since before I was there. But she's probably still getting paid. She, absolutely. <laughs> she's making that money. But she, like, was able to solve a murder or something based off of, like, one bone. 
Isn't that crazy? I think. <laughs> I feel like that's a true that's story. That's why they, she has her own TV show. Either either that happened on Bones or that was, happened in real life. So why, why you not be both? the judge. Um, yeah, I just made a spooky CLT post about that mm-hmm. yesterday. And apparently people love her because it's like one of my most active posts in a while. It's a great show. I. It's repetitive. Yeah, I know. I wish I could have taken a class by her, but... I it's never too late. Got there too late. I got there too late. Well, she's still alive. That's true, but I don't think she's coming back anytime soon, uh-huh. and that's okay. We'll watch a YouTube video. Same thing. That's true. All right, so takeaways from this is you should visit the Great Smoky Mountains, and then also, if you are trying to spread stories about cryptids, make sure that you're not dragging a real-life person through the mud yes. while you do it. Um. I was going to say something. Hold on. Excuse me. And um, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, if you do go to the Smoky Mountains, um, and if you're in that area, maybe just take an extra look around. Um, you never know what has been uncovered in the past 50 years. So just keep that in mind. Maybe, hopefully. Only you can find missing people. Dennis Martin's bones. And prevent forest fires. Yes. Well, that's all I have. That's all I have. Man. What a hoot. Can't wait for next week when we talk about Redacted. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye. Sources for today's episode can be found on our website at anchor.fm slash oldnorthstatepod. If you want to send us a topic suggestion, a funny story, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at oldnorthstatepod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at oldnorthstatepod. Cheers, y'all!